Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello there, boys and girls, and welcome to another episode of Circling the Bases, proudly a part of NBC Sports Edge. I'm your host, Colin Henderson. Joining me today, as always, Mr. Christopher Crawford. Chris, Stanley Cup Finals literally start tomorrow. NBA Finals are almost over. Dubs one game away. These are easy layups, no pun intended, to start off the show. And yet, all I want to talk about is what happened to me on Sunday night. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, Colorado is uh, going to win game one, and then Tampa Bay is going to win the next four. And oh, I like a, that. I like and that. And I'll, I'll just go Celtics in seven, just because it's this is a perfect example of a series that is going to go seven games that is not a great series. None of these games have been great. Yeah, None of these good. games have even been very good. It reminds me, and I know as a Giants fan, you may take umbrage with this, Everybody calls that Super Bowl game against the Patriots such a great game. That game sucked out loud for three and a half quarters. And then there was a wonderful finish to the game. You shouldn't care because the the team that you wanted to win won. So who cares how they think about the game? But everybody talks about that game like it was some amazing game. It was unwatchable football for the majority of the game. And then it had a really good ending. I uh, hate when people call these type of games great games because uh, they're not. No, they have moments in them, and that's what yes. we remember is the moments. Sure. We remember yes. the moments. We remember like three plays from the game. Perfect. If you remember three plays from a game that happened like 10 years ago, it was a <laughs> yeah. good game. That just yeah. simply put, that's just how it works. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Well put. And you're right. This NBA final, there has not been anything close. I'm hoping there's some magic in here outside of like just Steph Curry draining things from <laughs> laughable distances like he did in game, what was that? Right. Five? That was yeah. the, no, uh, game, four. game four. Yeah, yeah. That, um, that was impressive. Sunday, yeah, but Sunday night, I'm watching Sunday night baseball. I am in a tight head-to-head points league matchup with one of my good friends in my main league. I am pretty much good. It is the seventh inning. I am set. I'm up by like 10 points, 12 points. I know you don't play in points leagues, but that's a pretty good amount right there. I feel very confident sure. with it. Yeah. Only a couple uh, – literally, I only got about nine more outs though. But I noticed at the last second, and egg on my face for not seeing it, not that it could have changed anything, was the fact that he has Edwin Diaz who proceeds uh, to come in and get five outs and five <laughs> strikeouts in the process, yeah. including one strikeout against my Jared Walsh. And all of a sudden, I look at the page, and uh, I'm tied. Oh, That's no, no, so it's a tie. But for the first time ever in our league, which is now 12 years old, 
the tiebreaker rule came into effect, which is most runs scored offensively, and I was two runs less than him. So I don't know how you handle tiebreakers. We've never run into this before. But boy, I woke up Monday morning real PO'd. I think in most of my leagues, a tiebreaker is it's it's just a tie. Like it depends. Like I don't know. It's just a tie. I think all not all leagues have the option to have the tie, and you know most leagues you're not, especially in like you know Yahoo football formats. It's very difficult to tie because there's so many decimal points. Like yeah. it is very hard for somebody to for both teams to get one sixty five point seven six. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's. Uh, one of the reasons why it's good to have those decimal points because you avoid that type of stuff. I guess that's a fair tiebreaker. I'm trying to think of what I would have. A fair for tie- tie- I remember it being a fair tiebreaker when I came up with this like nine years ago. And I was like, okay, <laughs> well, like not every pitching now staff now is built on starting pitchers. So I can't sure. say like wins count and no. like it can't be home runs because not every offensive, you know, team is built around the long ball. Like, no. okay, we need to give slap hitters a shot. So I was like, offensive runs seems fair. That seems like a fair way to do it. But now that I'm the first person in league history to be on the other side of it, I'm suddenly rethinking a lot of my decisions (laughs) from a while ago. It's funny funny how that works. I mean, you think that with scoring that gets into like the high 300s, low 400s that we really run into this. But I have have lost three weeks this year by a grand total of three points. So I, that's just the way this works. I don't know. It's it's that kind of year. But Have you ever, by the way, played in one of those leagues where there is a home team and the home team gets like an additional I've three points? I've never played in one. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a kind of interesting idea if only because like it gives everybody like a little bit of an advantage for six of the 12 weeks you play or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, But I, at the same time, if I lost – by two yeah, points just because of like some weird little thing. I think it's interesting. I, I, um, I almost played in one and the guy changed the setting at the last minute. And when I asked why he changed it, he said, cause I didn't mean to have it on in the first place. And I was thought that was a great That's answer. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay, I, I almost <laughs> think about doing it maybe for like the postseason Cause at least that way you earned the home field. Whereas like in a regular, oh, like, schedule, that's a good idea. like in regular yeah. schedules, just randomness sure. the postseason. Like if I've earned the one seed, like I don't yeah. mind getting a couple extra points on the top end for it, but I don't, I don't hate that. I don't hate, I don't that, hate that. But again, I also haven't lost by that. So yeah, I, I, I guarantee you might hate my come up from there. Yeah. Fair. Coming up on the show today, back by popular demand, Chris and I will talk some big injury news before playing another enthralling name game with some big risers and fallers so far on the year. Are you watching live on Twitch and want to join in on the conversation? Maybe curious how to value a certain player? Be sure to hit up that comment section and we'll give you some answers. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. But before we get to the good stuff tonight, even better stuff is happening on Sundays with MLB Sunday leadoff. Coverage presented by Uber Eats. Catch the Phillies take on the Nats in Washington on Sunday, June 19th at 11.30 a.m. Eastern, live on NBC and Peacock. To learn more, go to PeacockTV.com slash MLB. And if you want a chance at twenty-five grand on the game, download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter, and enter Sunday's free Grand Slam Pick'em contest. So before That's we get to the name game, like I said, let's get through some of these injury news because we got some breaking news that happened pretty much all day today. It just seemed like it was one after the other and we had to Jeez. talk about it. And let's start off with Ozzy Albies. Uh, placed on the 60-day IL after fracturing a bone in his foot on a foul tip that just smashed him right in the foot. He'll be out a minimum of two months. I mean, this is a huge blow for a for an Atlanta team that is just absolutely humming along, and the last thing you want to do is lose a player, any player, but especially a player of Ozzy's caliber just simply because he locks in at the top of that lineup, and when he goes, that team goes really well. Right. Yeah, this is a bad loss. I mean, Albies wasn't having like an elite season, but he certainly was being one of the better mm-hmm. second basemen, and you should expect over the next 100 games to be, you know, at that rate. It doesn't sound like we're going to get him back anytime soon. Literally being on the 60-day injured list yep. prevents that. I would say Orlando Garcia is somebody maybe mm-hmm. to take a look at here. In his 17 games so far, 313, 393, 458, 851 OPS, a former top prospect too. Had a couple of decent moments in his first couple of seasons, but really struggled, ended up being one of the reasons why they made the Willie Adamas trade. I think he's an interesting pickup, but I think if you're looking for, like, you're going to probably have to make a trade if you're going to be able to replicate the numbers that Albies was projected to give you over these final 100 games. Yeah, at best you can patchwork second base, which again right. is doable. I mean, Nolan Gorman is still available in a lot of leagues. Like, mm-hmm. if you're going to take a high upside second baseman's bat, like he's a guy to target there. He's available in at least fifty percent of leagues. Last time I checked, um, so there you're going to have to patchwork it because there is no like for like replacement for Ozzy Albies. But if you got the IL spot, hold on to him because you know until you are absolutely flailing for for wins or stats he's the guy you leave on your IL for as long as humanly possible so yeah um so hold on to that also out there if you are unable to hold on to him for forever because you are flailing not a bad guy to look at the number 1 team in your league and say look give me something to hold me over you can sit on you can keep Albies on your IL for a while i need something right. now not a bad spot for someone who's looking maybe at a championship uh, let's also talk about Liam Hendricks, the closer for the White Sox. He's placed on the IL with a right forearm strain, currently tied for the lead in the American League with saves with Jordan Romano. He's expected to miss about three weeks. In the meantime, Kendall Graveman expected to be in line for saves while he's out. Joe Kelly right behind him for the opportunities. We'll see how that kind of uh, plays out, but Graveman probably the first one to take a crack at the closer duties. Especially with Joe Kelly just coming off the IL, you assume they probably ease him in at least a little bit. Right, yeah. I mean, 
I'll be honest with you. I'm not sure that I'm like rushing out to go get Kendall Graveman, but I mean, if you really need those save chances, that's the guy that I'd be rostering. It wouldn't shock me. I guess if Kelly took that role or maybe even if Jose Ruiz gets some save opportunities, it's, it's kind of an untenable situation here, unfortunately, but hopefully this is again, something that can be relatively short term for Hendricks who, you know, wasn't having the best season, but was still getting lots of save chances. And you projected to get a lot, especially AL central. Ooh, boy, Minnesota looks good. And, Cleveland is better than we thought, or are they? Are they just taking advantage of the fact that they play in such a terrible? I was about position? to ask you the same thing yeah, about Minnesota. It's, uh, it's well, I'll tell you what. I Minnesota passes the eye test to me, like that, okay. especially what they're doing right now with like every starting pitcher injured. Yeah, <laughs> is really impressive. Getting Joe Ryan back uh, as we're recording tonight is very big. But yeah, I'm, I, I guess Graveman is the guy that I'm looking for, but not exactly in love with that closer situation anymore couple other closers out there that might be available in your league. Uh, Cardinals closer Ryan Helsley has looked phenomenal. And I, I, I'd say closer, even though he has not officially been named a closer, but Giovanni Gallegos hasn't gotten a save since May 20th. So I feel pretty confident that it just seems like Helsley, who, by the way, has a 0.37 ERA on the year, looks like he might take that spot. He's still available in 35% of Yahoo leagues. Meanwhile, Miami has basically seemingly found their closer in Tanner Scott in his last five appearances, two wins and three saves. He's available in 77% of Yahoo leagues. He's two and one with four saves and 36 strikeouts across 23 innings. So the K's are there. Um, He looks like he's going to be the guy in the closer role. Uh, Not a bad, not a bad guy to pick up for the next couple of weeks and see if you can, you know, keep your head above water while you wait for Hendricks to come back. Let's play the name game real quick of those names that we just mentioned, Hendricks, uh, Scott, and the closer that I literally just forgot the name of as I was talking. Hopefully. Which of those Yeah, which of those three are you rostering? Uh, I, I assume you're taking Hendricks out and you're putting Graveman in there instead. Yes, that's what I okay. meant, Graveman. I yeah. would take Helsley first and foremost. I mean, he looks absolutely lights out. It looks like he's got the job. Even if he's not closing out games, he's got that, you know, Devin Williams-esque, I have the ability to be an elite holds guy. Um, I'd probably go Helsley first, Um, then maybe Graveman and then Scott. And that's mostly because I I think Graveman has the better opportunities for saves. But um, I think so, too. Yeah. So I think he's going to get first crack at it. So I'd say Helsley, Graveman, Scott in my order. And then I would what I would do is just play in a league that doesn't have saves and doesn't have catchers and live in a utopia. Come to points leagues, boys and girls. That's what I keep saying. I will bang yeah, that drum all that is, that is the biggest benefit. I of, will take uh, – I basically have removed saves and steals yeah. from being unwieldy, overly powerful <laughs> like they are in Roto. Yeah. I've taken them and just made them normal stats I, rather than the thing that everyone needs to target. So I, I think – I do a lot of um, – like out of boredom mock drafts like before the season yeah. and stuff like that and you know uh it's funny watching guys draft closers because you know they're they they sort by the rankings and so you think you're getting mm-hmm. a great value with josh Hader, and you get to think you're getting a great value with liam Hendricks, and then you realize like when you look at your projected point totals they're so much lower because a third starter is projected to get many more points than a closer is just because they're going to give you more points. Uh, the, like a save is nice, but Give it's, uh, yep. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I definitely like points leagues. I wish more of my, uh, I don't really have friends, but I wish more of the people <laughs> that I knew played in uh, points leagues. Cause I think it is a lot more fun. 
Yeah, it is a lot more fair. Uh, Fernando Tatis, unfortunately, <sighs> bad news for him. His return date pushed back after a CT scan did not reveal the healing the team was hoping for in his wrist, which he injured before the season began. Padres were hoping he would be cleared to swing a bat by now, but he has not gotten the green light yet. Fortunately for the Padres, without him, they are only a half game out of first place in the NL West. Right. Um, obviously, they signed Tatis to a 14-year, $340 million contract, so you know they're both going in this year with only a half game back right now, but at the same time, they're looking at the next 13 years of his career and looking right. at, at the Padres. So it's a very interesting position that the Padres are in right now in terms of how much do you rush him back, but suffice to say, we're going to have to wait a little bit longer to get some Tatis in 2022. Yeah, and that's a bummer just because I think he's one of the two or three just – keeping it safe players to watch in baseball. Most fun. I mean, you just got to stay patient. If you've been this patient with Fernando Tatis jr. There's no reason until they literally say, Hey, sorry, we're not going to have Fernando Tatis jr. Play until 2023. Then you can cut bait. Even then I would be tempted to leave leave him on my roster. (laughs) It's going to be super hard to hit that drop. Yeah, it's going to be super hard. Yeah. But I mean, you just got to stay patient. Um, it's not going to be like after the all-star break, like I thought anymore, it's probably going to be more, I would guess August or something like that. You just yeah. really don't know. But I mean, to say he's capable of like helping you win a league when he does get brought back up is the understatement of understatement. So it's, it's frustrating, but you just got to stay patient. Yep. No notes. Exactly. I would do the exact same. All right, so let's get to a little name game here. Like I said, for anyone who is listening for the first time, when we're doing a name game, we're really trying to reestablish value of players because obviously value has changed drastically from the start of the year till now. Right. Uh, And we really want to just try and get an idea of where you would rank certain players in comparison to other players now in real time. So let's start with one of my – he was a preseason pick for me, and he has so far proven me right – one of the few things I feel like I've gotten right this year, and that's Sandy <laughs> Alcantara. Uh, he is 6-2 and two with a 1.68 ERA, .96 whip, and 82 strikeouts across 91 innings. Uh, he He's pitched at least seven innings in his last seven starts, including two nine-inning efforts and, an, and falling one out short in another game, going eight and two-thirds. He's been simply astounding. Unfortunately, the... Marin, I mean, the Marlins are the Marlins. So what one of those nine-inning efforts end up being a loss. So yeah. Yeah, that's just the way that things work in Miami, unfortunately, until they get some bats. But uh, everything else has been absolutely stellar. So, Chris, let's play a little name game with Sandy here. Would you rather have rest of the season Sandy Alcantara or Joe Musgrove? Sandy Alcantara. I agree. Um, Sandy or Verlander? Sandy Alcantara. Yeah, it's close for me, but Verlander with – I just worry a little bit as we get later into the year, they're going to start slowing him down, maybe skipping a start or two, pulling him a little earlier in games. He's still coming off a of Tommy John surgery. I agree with that. Give me Sandy there. Uh, how about Sandy Alcantara or Shane Bieber? Sandy Alcantara. Okay, let's go up a little higher than on this list. Are you going Sandy Alcantara or Corbin Burns? Sandy Alcantara. Okay, let's keep it going. Uh, Sandy or Mad Max? Sandy Alcantara. Yeah, I'm feeling it too. I agree with that. Um, I was wondering how high I was going to go. I have to relook at my list here. If we're putting it here, I mean, Sandy Alcantara, Garrett Cole, do I need to go? Let's go all the way up to the top. 
So this is this is to where I'm at right now. Is these are the two best starting pitchers I think in baseball right now. Okay. I mean, if you look at like the eye test is always going to be big for me because I like to pretend I know what I'm talking about with this stuff. But he's really impressive with the eye test. The metrics here are stupid. Like his average exit velocity, his expected ERA, his expected batting average, his expected slugging percentage, his expected weighted on base average, his chase rate, and his fastball velocity. All of those figures are in the 90th percentile or better, except for chase rate, where he's a woolly 89th percentile. And <laughs> we have seen these flashes of brilliance from him before and then kind of been followed by, you know, not great. But this is a large enough sample size right now. I don't care if he's not getting you the W. And he's got six and 13 starts. That's certainly not a bad rate. It puts him on nope. pace to be about a 15 to 16 game winner, which in today's game is considerably uh, higher than a lot of starters are going to give you. Like he's throwing pitches for strikes. He's locating everything. He's always had the big heater. I really, really like what I've seen from him. I, I really think that we might be looking at the best starting pitcher in baseball right now. I can't believe I'm saying that though. I love it. Uh, I'm going to, I, I, I have him easily inside my top five. And I'm trying to pull up the rest of I, I didn't expect you to go quite as high as I was. So yeah. I didn't have the names as prepared. But sure. yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you there. I mean, top five starting pitcher rest of the way. No question. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I mean, with Cole, I, I guess the only thing I'm, with I'm still taking Cole over him. But yes. uh, the, the only reason why I think that I'm going Alcantara over Cole right now is just because of the fact that Cole has to pitch in Yankee Stadium, and it's not necessarily – and we've seen – now, obviously, the, that game against the Twins was an outlier. We are not going to see the back-to-back-to-back home run type of stuff right. that we see from him. I think that if I was going to rank my three starting pitchers for the remainder of the year – actually, I'll do four. I would say it is Cole, Alcantara, Alec Manoa, and Shane McClanahan – and how many of those guys were drafted near that range to begin the year? The answer is none. One. So. The answer is yeah. one. Well, yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah that's, that's yeah. one human, one yeah. of those, and everybody else is yeah. punching up to that tier. Congratulations, which is great for all of them. Absolutely. All right, let's move over to uh, let's move over to Brandon Drury, a third baseman for the Reds, having himself a year, which is great mm-hmm. considering he's on his fourth team in four years, five years <laughs> since 2018. Yankees, Toronto, Mets, and now Cincinnati, where he's finally getting a real opportunity. He's in the 90th percentile in hard hit percentage, has 12 home runs and 33 RBIs, along with a 276 average, 39 runs scored, and a stolen base, OPS of 861. Um, And certainly not a small enough sample size to complain about that. So let's play a little name game here with him. Would you rather have rest of season Brandon Drury or Luis Arias? Luis Arias. I agree with that. I feel like the floor is just higher with him. And also I believe in him a little bit more than Drury. Give me Arias as well. Uh, Would you take Brandon Drury or Josh Donaldson rest of the year? Josh Donaldson. I agree. Uh, Drury or Matt Chapman? So this is going to be telling that I am not exactly on the Brandon Drury bandwagon. I'm going to go with Matt Chapman. Like, it's very impressive what Drury's done. And like you said, it's no longer a small sample size. I have been burned by the Brandon Drury train before. Not Me to too. this extent. I mean, like this is – he did have a couple of really solid seasons and looked like he was going to be something 
special might be too strong of a word, but looked really good when he was a member of the Diamondbacks. I just don't see it. I cannot imagine that he's going to put up the type of numbers that would necessitate me dropping someone like Matt Chapman to add Brandon Jury for. Even in the, I mean, Chapman has been once again, a disappointment coming off of two straight years with that. Like even with the, the dearth at the third base position that we were talking about last week, where it's just like, after, after the top five, I'm, I, I give a little bit more. I, I, First off, the Reds, I think we're not talking about that offense enough. They have been one of the better offenses for this entire month going a little bit back into May. They have. Uh, they And they're starting to put together a little bit more. Um, I like Drury here, but I don't want him over Arias. I don't want him over Donaldson. Chapman is close. Cabrian Hayes, are you willing to drop him for Drury? No. Oh, I, okay. here's, here's the thing. I can see adding Brandon Drury because of what you're talking about, the dearth. But if you've got these names that we've just mentioned, I think you've got to stick with them because of that dearth. Like okay. add him to go be your corner infielder or add him because you've got just like nothing at the third base position. You know what I mean? Like that's, right. if he's still available in your league, go go do it. But I can't um, – there's just too much potential to get burnt by Brandon Drury. Spoiler, what a weird thing to say on June 14th at 2000, 2022 at 5.51 yeah. p.m. my time. You can get burnt by Brandon Drury. By Brandon Drury, a name yeah. that was that no one that none of us wanted to talk about three no, months ago. No, I don't want to talk about him now. But uh, you, we have to talk <laughs> about him because That's, of how good he's he been. Yeah, all he's all due one. respect to him, he has earned the right to be talked about. Yeah, I – I'm taking him over Cabrian Hayes. I think I'm taking him over Matt Chapman. Again, I probably wouldn't drop them if I could help the cause just because third base is pretty garbage. And I still think that one of those three is going to have a good second half of the year. And I'm not sure which one, but man, um, I'll, I'll just tell you this. Like the metrics for Cabrian Hayes suggest that he has been so much better. And a 271 average is yeah, solid. And, and he's stolen seven bases as well, which is at the third base position, just something that you're not, going to get but his his metrics are almost all red except for barrel percentage and it's time to just say Cabrian Hayes is not a power hitter he is going to be a guy who hits 10 to 15 home runs but the metrics suggest he should be hitting like 280 290 and how many third basemen can you say that about uh like two yeah, that, that's the I thing. Was say, like, Jose Ramirez and Devers. Yeah, and yeah, that's the thing. Is is that, that average category matters so much? And then, <laughs> how many guys can you say at the third base position that should be hitting 280, 290 and are on pace to steal twenty bases? Yeah, you're right. It's a very so cool, I that's a very fair point. I win. You have to go home. Okay, that's fair. Um, well, I can't go home yet for another 20 minutes before okay. – uh, otherwise I'll get yelled at. So fair, I fair. you got to stick with me for a little bit longer. Let's talk about Tyler right. O'Neill. Welcome back, Tyler O'Neill. He just came off the IL mm-hmm. um, and since then has looked really good, has a hit in six of the seven games since the start of the month um, and has looked strong since coming back from the IL. Slashing 221, 275, 329 on the year with just three home runs and 26 RBIs, 18 runs scored, and five stolen bases across 150 at-bats. Uh, let's play a little name game with him, Chris. Tyler O'Neill or... Christian Yelich, rest of season. Christian Yelich. I'll take Tyler O'Neill there. I, 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 I just don't – you want to talk about eye test. I've watched enough Christian Yelich this year and just go like, I don't, I'm not seeing anything. See, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum, and especially, okay. looking, especially looking at the metrics here. I will stay away from Tyler O'Neill probably for the rest of my fantasy life because okay. – 
I really picked the good ones for you today. Thank you very much. Um, There's just too much swing and miss here. And there is basically a half a season of dominance. And the rest of it has been mediocrity at best. I love the speed. I love the power. I like that he's a good outfielder that can play there. I like that he's only 26 years old. He is always going to be more detriment than asset in the batting average category. And the power doesn't show up at a lot of points. Three homers and 167 plate appearances, even with an injury. That, that's that's pretty telling. I am I'm really low on Tyler O'Neill. I'll be curious to see how many guys that I actually end yeah, up picking him up. As I'm re-looking at the list now to try and see that's if fun. I can find a floor for you here. There we taking go. Ben Intendi or O'Neill. I'll take Tyler O'Neill over Benintendi just because I am pretty low on Andrew Benintendi. I, I think we kind of know what he is. All right. I know you like a Rosarena more than I do, and I'm going to assume yeah. you take a Rosarena over oh, O'Neill. Yeah, yeah. Okay. especially with uh, – uh, Rosarena, by the way, has been much better since the last time yes. we played yeah. this type of thing, and, and that's not surprising. He is going to be hot and cold an awful lot. I mean, would you take Tyler O'Neill or Max Kepler or Brandon Nimmo? Oh, I probably am taking Nimmo, but I'll take O'Neal over Kepler, just the injury concerns with the guy. They they, they are I don't know. I don't want either one. I'll I'll take uh, I'll take a I'll take a meatball sandwich over that. That sounds really good right now. <laughs> Somewhere, Tyler O'Neill is going to throw some real shade at you real quick. Oh, and he could beat the crap six out of me. Runs this week. He's about to have, six home runs this week. And have you him. seen that, dude? He could oh, absolutely yeah. destroy me. And oh, his yeah. dad, too. Like, if I, yeah. uh, Tyler O'Neill, I, I love you. Go Canada. Um, the Habs in seven, if they were playing in the tournament. <laughs> yeah, we got we to gotta get a Canadian team in the in the finals at some point. 1992, by the way. 1992. It's nonsense. nonsense. I don't know how every Canadian doesn't just walk around with like their head in the plat in the paper bag the way that bad teams do. Like they 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 should be ashamed of themselves for not having a Stanley Cup since 92. I guess the only thing years old. I guess the only thing you can say is that like they only make up 20% of the league now. I think there's six in Canada now. Seattle's almost Canada. We'll call it six and a half. Um but yeah, that's that's crazy. That it's their it's sport. It's their sport. Um, yeah, I don't get that one either. I like okay, that so I distracted do, you. Sorry about let's that. Let's do. Uh, let's pop over to Clay Holmes. I find okay. him very interesting. Sure. Um, so far in the year, if you're a Yankee fan or has been has been on your fantasy team, wow, he holds a 0.31 ERA. He's <sighs> not given up a run since April 8th. So that's the second game of the year. He's 4-0 with nine saves now thanks to the Aroldis Chapman injury, a .66 whip, and 29 uh, – What? no, that's 39 strikeouts over 28 innings. Um, a Chapman, like I said, on the IL still has not recovered yet from his injury, and when he does, are we 100% sure the closer job is still his? I know that uh, Aaron Boone has been very loyal to him throughout his tenure as manager of the Yankees. So I presume that Chapman at least gets first dibs at closing. But I think Clay Holmes has simply said uh, that that leash is incredibly small. Uh, And still somehow Yahoo League still available in 13% of Yahoo League somehow. And I don't get it. He's been the closer of the Yankees, the best team in baseball for like the last three weeks. So how is he not 100% rostered or really close? I don't get it. No. So let's play a little name game with Clay here. Clay Holmes or Rafael Iglesias of the Angels? Clay Holmes. Clay Holmes for me as well. Iglesias has not looked the same. No. Um, he just hasn't looked the same this year, and I was really high on him this year, and 
has not looked good. Uh, Clay Holmes or Ryan Presley also having a kind of down year by his metrics. Clay Holmes. I'm going to say Ryan Presley, but it's mostly because he seems still locked in as the Houston closer and Houston closer is still a very good spot, but God, that's real close. That's real close. It's real close. Um, Clay Holmes, the upside of Clay Holmes or the locked in closer status of David Bednar. Clay Holmes, for sure. If I'm I going Clay Holmes over that guy, I, I it would be very hypocritical if I didn't go with Bednar. Fair enough. Uh, let's go. And and here's one for you here. Would you rather have Clay Holmes or Roldis Chapman rest of you? So I was hoping that was going to – That is what I was hoping you were going to ask me because yep. this is a really interesting situation because if it was 1998 – the answer is obvious. You are not removing Clay Holmes from the closer role. Nope. He's been one of the most, not just dominant relief pitchers, one of the most just dominant players in baseball lately. Like expected yes. ERA in the 100th percentile, expected slugging in the 100th percentile. Like all of these numbers are so impressive. But I think because we're in 2022, it's possible that in real life, Clay Holmes is more valuable not being the closer of the New York yep. Yankees. Being that high leverage guy that you can bring in in the seventh or eighth inning to face the middle of the order, you know, you kind of it's it's funny to say that you have to have him as the closer right now, because I guess you don't have to have him. They, they could keep Clay Holmes in that high leverage situation. So I guess I'm going to go with I guess I'm going to go with Holmes just because I think that the rates are going to be good enough to justify it anyway. And I haven't been particularly impressed with what I've seen with Chapman healthy actually over the last couple of years. He hasn't been bad by any stretch of the imagination. Right. He's not the same role as Chapman, but I think that it's the fact that it's close is scary yeah, because there really- is a chance that Clay Holmes fantasy value is going to drop precipitously when a role Chapman does come off the injured list. But the fact that he's closing games now, I, I just don't know. That is such a hard question to answer. Yeah, and it's really one that I think only Aaron Boone and maybe Aroldis Chapman knows. The maybe, yeah, and, and, and maybe Clay Holmes. Maybe they've talked about it right. as well. And there but, might be a conversation like, look, when the big dog gets back, like he gets he gets first dips at you know he gets first dips at saves, and we move you into the spot where like, look, seventh, eighth inning, we face meat of the order, like you said, high leverage stuff. You come in there and get it done. Yeah, but. He has done everything in his power to make that leash that Chapman has about yeah. as short as humanly possible. So our, our buddy Chad says, "Thank God for net save and hold leagues." And boy, yeah, that's I mean that's that's yes. an easy one. If you if Great you've got point. if you're playing in a in a hold and save league where those two things are valued the same, then I don't know if there's a reliever other than Josh Hader I want more than Clay Holmes. Yeah, like just because of how good he has been. And boy, I'm sorry, Pittsburgh. The, you don't deserve this to watch these guys go from your team and then just start dominating that the way they do. Like Clay Holmes was a for the record. Yeah. I would argue that they do deserve it because the Pirates like, fans don't like, deserve it. Seems this. like but, they hop over to another team, get yeah. somebody. Somebody says, "Okay, stop doing yeah. that mediocre pitch. Do this pitch instead." And all of a yeah. sudden, they become really good. So okay, so I, I misspoke a little bit. Like the Pittsburgh Pirates deserve every bad thing that happens the to fans them. Don't, yes, their fans don't, and yeah. especially such a good park, such a good baseball park. Maybe my favorite park in the country. It's my honestly. favorite for sure. It's so good, one hundred percent. Yep. All right, let's talk about let's do let's stick with the Yankees here as we go with let's do Luis Severino. I mean, okay. coming off of basically has not been 
a a full-time starter since 2017 due to so many injuries. And yet this year, 4-1 and one with a 2-8 ERA, a 1.03 whip is beautiful, and, a, and 71 strikeouts in 61 innings pitched. In his last start, he struck out 10 Cubs and looked absolutely dominant while doing yeah. it. But obviously, we are talking about a guy who's pitched about, and I don't have the number in front of me, but I want to say he's pitched about 40 innings in the last three years. Right. So, I mean, the the sample size, he is clearly going over whatever theoretical innings limit they might have for him this year. Obviously, right. Yankees being as good as they are, if they continue to be as good as they are for the next two months, like it's very easy for them to start skipping starts, pulling him after three or four, keeping him fresh for the postseason. So all of that has to be kind of factored in. So, Chris, rest of season, would you rather take Luis Severino or Sonny Gray? Luis Severino. I agree with that as well. Sonny Gray has looked really good when healthy. Problem is Mm -hmm. three IL stints already this year. That's a problem. Right. Yep. Uh, Luis Severino, speaking of innings limits, uh, Luis Severino or Tony Gonsolin? Luis Severino still, but that's that fact that I had to even think about it is kind of interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting because Gonsolin has looked phenomenal this year, but he has already passed his career high major league innings limits. And we are in, we are in early June. So uh, I don't know what the rest of that season holds for him. Um, Granted, that being said, all the injuries in the Dodgers rotation might be that he's out there for, you know, every five days. I changed my mind. I want Tony Gonsolin over him. I, 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 I just because of the fact, unfortunately, that I think they're going to have to keep working. They're not going to overwork him. The Dodgers right. are not stupid. They they're not going to um, overdo anything. But just the fact that I think he is a complete lock to stick in the rotation right now. I'll go Gonsolin. Uh, let's go with his teammate, Luis Severino or Nasty Nestor Cortez. I mean, what a what a revelation he's yeah. been, and both of these guys kind of yeah. trying to prove on the fly that they're worth it. I'm I'm going with Nasty Nestor. I, I I am absolutely a believer in what we've seen, just because partially of what we saw at the end of 2021 as well. Yes, I agree with that, Nestor Cortez, because he's done absolutely nothing to make you doubt in him. Like I mean, he's just been absolutely that good. So I agree yeah. with that as well. For sure. Um, Oh boy, there's there's some good ones here. Uh, would you rather take Luis Severino or I mean, I know you love Kyle Wright, so I'm gonna assume you take Kyle Wright over Severino. Yeah, but that's close. I, I'll Is tell you close? this. Okay. I was yeah, say, the, I'm trying to the, gauge your value. The thing about Kyle Wright is, is I do think there is still that chance for some blow-ups. I don't think Luis Severino is gonna have any blow-ups. The the blow-up could be an injury, you know, because yep. of what because of the lack of innings. Um, I'm very impressed with what I've seen from Kyle Wright, but I think plus the fact the Yankees are really flipping good. The Braves are great too. I mean, they're, they've played so much, a big shocker that the Braves started playing better. The world series champion started playing at a world series champion level. It's funny how that works. I, I think that's closer. I, I might go Severino. Yeah, I think I go Severino there as well. Um, he's just looked really good. He's looked like that 2017 self. And again, if it were not for the two years of injury history on the back end and just the worry about pitch count and innings limits moving forward, I don't think it'd be even conversation the way that Severino has looked. So I'll take Severino there as well. Fair. Let's stick on the mound here and welcome back Jack Flaherty for the Cardinals. He's going to make his season debut on Wednesday. He will be on a 75 or so pitch count in his debut. That's about where he's revved up to in 
the minors. He was expected to have one more rehab start, but it looks like he's ready for the big leagues. Uh, in 2021, granted, he also was had some injury issues last year as well. Only had 15 starts, but in those 15 starts, he went nine and two with a 3.22 ERA, a 1.06 WHIP. Uh, that was 71 innings pitched. So let's play a little name game with him. Uh, would you rather have rest of season Jack Flaherty or let's go with Kyle Wright again? Would you rather have one? Kyle Wright. Uh, yeah, Kyle Wright. Okay. Uh, Flaherty or Barrios? Jose Barrios. Flaherty or Jordan Montgomery? Now that's an interesting one. I think that's where I start to consider Flaherty. I am always really concerned about pitchers that return at this point who aren't like Jacob deGrom type of pitchers. Um, I think St. Louis has enough pitching depth that they can kind of coddle him a little bit. That's the, I hate the term babying him, uh, but right. like the treat with kid gloves, however you want to put it. Exactly. I, I think the other thing with me too, I just did a video on Yahoo about Jordan and Montgomery and he's been very good. Like he's getting hitters. Two things you want to do is you want to throw strikes and the pitches that are not strikes. You want them to swing at. And yep. he has been among the very best in baseball at this. And I've seen Jack Flaherty be an ace, like that stretch he had. I think it was 2019, but like time is just not a thing for me anymore. Yeah, that's like correct. where he was just like the best pitcher in baseball for a very long stretch. But for the most part, he's been like a fantasy number two. But we're talking about a fantasy number two that is coming off a very long layaway. I go Flaherty, but I think you can justify Montgomery over him. I'm higher on Flaherty. I just because I think the upside is higher with Flaherty. I, I, That's I see fair. Montgomery. I see Montgomery as more of like the lefty Lance Lynn, who just kind of like he's going to eat innings for you and do just and do it and do a good amount of work and make sure that you're there. But he's not going to be the guy who's going to get you ten plus strikeouts in a game most weeks. Like he's just not that guy. So well, Flaherty has that potential where at least he could have a day. Colin um, Henderson, I've got to ask you this question then. What's that? Are you taking Lance Lynn or Jack Flaherty for the rest uh, of the season? I'll be honest with you. I have Lance Lynn on my list as well, and I was going to bring him up. Boy, that's real close. I might take Lynn, but wow, that is – I mean, honestly, I think you could flip a coin, and I, I'd be fine with heads or tails there. I think they're I, both I, I think they're both pretty pretty even. I will take Lance Lynn mainly because a – let's see. He has never posted a season ERA above – only once has he posted a season ERA above four in his career. Um, last year coming off of an excellent year where, once again, he threw 150-plus innings. The dude throws innings. And I like the fact that for the most part he hasn't been injured and he keeps and he keeps getting length in games. So I'll take right. Lynn, but um, but that's close. I think the reason that it's really close is because one thing you have to keep in mind with Jack Flaherty is like we talked about that the AL Central is not very good. The NL Central should be relegated. Like bring yeah. up Wigan and Sheffield United <laughs> to the NL Central and drop the Pirates and the Cubs. <laughs> into championship league because <laughs> soccer knowledge. Yes, um, I appreciate it. You're very welcome. By the way, England, three lions. Oh my gosh. Uh, four, nothing lost to Hungary today. Yeah, that was feeling, real uh, so they're probably going to win the world cup after a six, nothing win over the United States. I, I, I just think that that NL central is going to prevent present a lot of intriguing options for him, but Lance Lane's going to get some options starts against the tigers and the Royals who are just both really yeah. bad baseball teams. I would go ceiling Flaherty floor lane. 
Okay, I have I have a fun one I wanted to end with you on because I know how much you love you some prospects. So let's. Talk, I do like prospects. Let's talk about little Mackenzie Gore up in here. Boy, having himself a, a a real trip on the show here. Four and two, with a two point five ERA, one point one nine WHIP, and sixty strikeouts to twenty one walks across fifty and a third innings. Got shelled in this last start. Gave up six runs across two and a third, but had three straight quality starts prior to that where he totaled 19 innings pitched, 25 strikeouts, and one earned run. So he has been absolutely great for the Padres, as we all really expected for the last couple of years until he kind of yipped his way through the last year or so. But it's all kind of gotten back on track, and we're finally starting to see it. Let's talk about Mackenzie Gore. Rest of season, would you rather have Mackenzie Gore or Tariq Skubal? Mackenzie Gore. I agree there, although Tariq has been excellent this year. Absolutely. Would you rather have Mackenzie Gore or Michael Kopech? Granted, he went down with a knee injury, but they're hoping he can still make his next schedule start. Yeah, I will believe that when I see it, especially with a knee injury. And because of that, and even before that, I'm still, I think, going Mackenzie Gore. You're still Gore. going with it? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Mackenzie Gore or Zach Gallen? Oh, that's a fun one. Um so here's the thing. You, you used the word shelled, and I'm glad you used that term because it really wasn't that. It was the fact that Mackenzie Gore couldn't find the strike zone in that start. And that is my well, one concern here is that, you know, Mackenzie Gore has had some control issues. And for the most part, but beyond for the most part, he has not had those show up as a major league pitcher. I think the Arizona Diamondbacks are terrible. I think go out on the that, ledge with that. Yeah, I think. Well, they were playing decently. I, I, by the know, way, that's right. That is right. Yeah. We are. We by are the being way, we need to find a way to, for your sake, Colin, delete that your praise about the Colorado Rockies because boy, has that not. Um, uh, when did I praise the Colorado Rockies? You said that they might be a playoff team a couple of episodes ago, my friend. And by a couple of episodes well, ago, what? I drank the Kool Aid and I got yeah. a little drunk. Boy, I don't know what you want. From me. All right, you're you're lucky. You're lucky there wasn't something else in that Kool-Aid because uh, – <laughs> um, uh, but ceiling, gore, floor, gallon. Ceiling, gore, floor, gallon. Okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, yeah. that's uh, that, you didn't really answer the question there at no, all, but yeah. No, and, and because here's the thing. I, 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 I totally, get it. I totally I get it. I think there yeah. are times where that we kind of have to do that. Yeah. Um, Mackenzie Gore might be – when I had Jake Mintz on the show, he said he had to be the rookie of the year. There's – couple of guys are closing in, I think, now that have a shot, but I would still probably vote for Mackenzie Gore. But as a 23-year-old pitcher who does have the history of mm-hmm. command issues is the nicest way to put it. Yips would be the, the strong way to put it. It's probably somewhere in between because it's not – when I think of Yips, I'm talking about something like a Mark Waller's thing where, mm-hmm. or a Steve Blasting where they just have absolutely – not only can they find a strike zone, they have no idea where that baseball is going mm-hmm. to end up. It wasn't quite that bad from everybody I was ta- I talked to, but it was yeah. serious command issues enough that he had to rebuild the delivery. So I do think there's a lot more volatility with Gore, but at the same time, based on everything he did prior to his last start, I think Mackenzie Gore is the guy I would probably roster. I'd probably take him over Gallon as well, but that's real close. It's real uh, close. It's real close. Would you take Gore or Framber Valdez, who's been excellent this year? Yeah, he's that's a really fun one. Probably I mean, there are a couple. There are a couple really good ones in this spot that I had yeah. written down that I was like, wow, I genuinely am not sure where I would fall on these. I think that's interesting too because Valdez and Christian Javier, I think, and those yep. 
three are just kind of like a triangle of, uh, I would say the same thing as I did with Gallon here. If you want the floor, I'm going Valdez. If you want the ceiling, I'm going Gore. If you put some sort of weird weapon against my head that I had to pick between the two, I guess I go Gore. No, I agree with all of that. And I won't put a, a, a weapon Thank you. in your head. Appreciate I'll, it. I'll, I'll, at least I'll do that off camera so I don't get Thank in trouble. You. Thank you, sir. At anytime. That's the kind of forethought that I have. It's yeah. called planning. All right? <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm pretty sure just made me up from manslaughter to murder, by the way. But that's besides the point. Say love you. Um, <laughs> but that just about finishes up our show for today. If this episode made you want to crap o- crack open a cold one and stare at your fantasy team for whoa, hours like whoa, I do. What was that word you wrong. said? What was that word you said? I said crap. Uh, I said, crack open a cold one. I am trying my best on that. Uh, it was a lot easier to write than it was to, uh, to speak. Uh, we try to <laughs> keep this sure a PG show, Colin. Wherever you listen to your podcast. I'm taking this. I'm taking this explicit. So you don't miss an episode. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to rate and review us. While you're at it, be sure to follow NBC Sports Edge on Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch to be informed of all of our live shows, Q&As, segments, articles, and more, so you can join in all the action. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Don't Lie, and you can follow Chris at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. Be sure to tune back in tomorrow as Chris invites Mariners reporter Nathan Bishop onto the pod, so make sure you don't miss it. So until then, stay safe out there. And as always, thanks for listening. Dom Smith, I didn't forget about you, but I kind of did. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.